Welcome to Success Grid, the place for sharing entrepreneurial stories, knowledge, and wisdom to educate and inspire you to always strive to raise your standards in your business and your life with your host, Hussein Talib. Hello and welcome Success Grid Nation to this new episode of the Success Grid Podcast with your host, Hussein Talib. My guest today, Sansere Perez. She is a Boston-based founder on a mission to change the interaction with customers through fast technology in order to deliver exceptional experiences. She is the co-founder of Kuala.io, the only frontline intelligence platform for B2B SaaS companies that help them better serve, retain, and upsell customers. Sansire, welcome to the Success Secret Podcast. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited to, to dive in and chat. I appreciate the uh, conversation. Awesome, awesome. First of all, am I, am I spelling your name right? <laughs> oh my goodness, please. Uh, it, it was perfect. It's it's like the sun, the sea, and a ray of light. Sun, sea, array. Uh, honestly, you can call me Sansi. A lot of people call me um, by my nickname because my first name is, you know, <laughs> a little difficult to say. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult, but it's a beautiful name, I think. It's, it's a Thank you. Name. Awesome. Thank you. I'll, so, let, I'll let my mom know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she named you. Oh, yes, she sure did. She was very opinionated about the name she wanted to give me. So she, she won over my dad, who wanted to name me Rebecca. <laughs> oh, Rebecca is uh, is a well-known name. And a lot of people named, a lot of females, I guess, named Rebecca. So your name is kind of special. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank awesome, you. Awesome. So tell us about your story. How did you come into this? How did you co-found co Koala Dutayo? Uh, what, what happened in your life? What did you do? Did you work in corporate? Where did you start? How did your life go for Koala, for example? Tell us about that. Sure. Sure. Um, th- thanks for asking. So I, I think like most of us or many of us fell into entrepreneurship and tech in general just serendipitously. I actually started my career in music. I was a pro audio engineer recording musicians in a studio in Nashville, Tennessee, and quickly found out that while I loved music, I did not want to work for music. And this was a few decades ago. (laughs) Um, So I had that experience of realizing maybe don't necessarily always follow your bliss. Um, But I did learn the value of hard work and crazy hours. And um, I also watched a industry really when I entered into music was when Napster into the music Mm. industry was when Napster broke. And I saw the devolution of an industry that wasn't sure how to handle technology evolution and Mm. what that meant for how they think about their business. You know, this thing that people used to pay for, they were now getting completely for free. And it was, it was fascinating to, to watch it. So I, after leaving music, uh, found myself in in technology and it was uh, you know the first company i built was a marketing platform for uh, mar- really for mar- manufacturing brands and their independent local retailers and it was through that experience that i became exposed to local entrepreneurs in our in our local communities uh, having a dream building a company around that dream employing their community and I was fascinated by this. I, you know, my mom's a teacher, my dad's a police officer. So I had never really known anyone close to me that had started their own company. I was fascinated by it. Yeah. Uh, and it was really by being inspired and learning from their experiences that 
uh, decided to venture out with a few friends and create my first company. And um, that has informed what we're building here at Koala, which is technology, which is a customer success platform um, that's been created to quantify the interactions flowing between customers and CSMs, customer success managers, uh, so that companies can mine that data and advocate for important things like feature needs, upgrade opportunities, or maybe even discover the next big idea. So we call this qualitative data stream frontline intelligence, and that's our wedge in the market that we look at customers as our competitive edge. And we want to empower anyone having conversations with customers with the ability to bring all of those conversations across a bunch of different platforms, across a bunch of different customers in one stream so that we can make better decisions as a business. Yeah, exactly. So uh, as you mentioned, customers without without customers' businesses doesn't even exist. So, but wh- why do you call it customer success uh, exactly. Why didn't you call it customer service platform or customer service yeah. website or service? Why do why is success? Sure. So, so my background is in customer success at my company before Koala. I built and scaled the customer success services and support teams. Um, the reason why we're building te- technology primarily for customer success, although I will say that there are product leaders that also use our technology to understand. How to how, what the roadmap should look like according to customers, um, but the reason why we were building technology primarily for CS is because it, we see most often that these are the frontline managers having day to day conversations with customers, and in their mind and in their notes and on their calls and in their chats with customers is a wealth of powerful knowledge that if we can harness it again, across CSMs and across customers and across platforms, um, the insights are pivotal to how we build our businesses. So that's why we're primarily focused on CS. Um, and, you know, a little bit of history on Koala is we, I mentioned we're a customer success platform. We're actually starting to evolve into what we're calling a frontline intelligence platform with customer success workflows. And that's because our history has been deeply embedded in the CS space. Um, but now we're evolving past CS into product circles, into marketing and sales circles, because these teams are having conversations with customers and with the market too, and find value in that qualitative data. So this frontline intelligence platform you are actually transforming into with Koala. Uh, does that mean you are involved more with the customers? Does that mean... Something like we we hear uh, something like we do the customer care behind uh, after the sales, for example, or it's like a journey to connect with customers from the start to finish and reconnect again. Yeah, I, I, what I would say is the magic of the data that we're bringing in definitely feels like the latter. You know, a lot of the sentiment or qualitative data that we see from interactions with you know, ourselves in the market or a company and their customers is that surveys are single point in time. They're usually completed, if completed at all, by one specific user persona. But the value of harnessing the interactions between all teams and customers is that you're getting day-to-day intelligence that is a real-time live stream of discussions happening that are with prospects and with customers, 
and that are with personas like day-to-day contacts, champions, maybe even dev contacts, agency contacts, buyers, whoever your core personas are, there's a member of your team that's interacting with them. So we want to know holistically how every persona at our at our customer's company thinks about us and not just maybe those that have answered a net promoter score survey or a survey in general. So we see this data as real time and ongoing. And that's why it's so rich because there are so many data points for us to harness. There's a lot, for example, a lot of competition and on every aspect of, of any business, I believe, right? So I think trust and value, building trust and value is the most important thing for any business to, to have. Hmm. I would agree. I would agree with that, especially for, I mean, I, I would say that that's for any and all companies, of course, especially crucial for companies that are in the scale-up, startup or scale-up mode. In many cases, we don't necessarily have a name that is well-known and we have to rely on our customer experiences and them being a bullhorn for the cause and talking about how incredible their experiences with us, the value that they're receiving, and for us to be able to harness the testimonials and quotes and feedback that's coming in, again, at scale, can be pivotal insights for marketing, just like understanding how customers feel about onboarding or identifying risk within the customer base are pivotal insights for customer success. So so how do you believe in your own company and the businesses that you do, for example, work with? How do you... Uh, let's say, uh, or how do you in- ingrain the importance of building a community around a certain business or a certain product or a certain service? Sure. I, I think, you know, as customer success leaders, really anyone at the company, I mean, we do in many cases see ourselves as advocates and advocates for the vision and mission that we have, advocates for how that's tied to our customers' success and the value that they're, that they're receiving. And for us at Koala, we are very focused on community and, and community development. We have a humans of customer success Slack community that's over a thousand CS leaders that are interacting with each other, asking questions. And the value that we see as a building this community is that we get to listen to the important conversations that CS leaders have and allow that to inform our growth. You know, how are they interfacing with product? How do they talk to sales? What do their relationships look like with marketing teams? How are they connecting with customers? Um, so we we get to sort of be a fly on the wall with a lot of these conversations because Humans of CS is tech agnostic. And while we created it, um, it's not like the conversations that are being had are just about Koala. They're really about CS and CS proper. So keeping your ear to the ground um, and your your feet on the ground. A community building is a great way to to do that. Mm, yeah, that's uh, that's community building leads to customer success definitely. But what do you think are what do you would you say key metrics to the customer success? Uh, are are there like for example certain things that should be focused on to improve your customer success? Yeah, I, I would I would say that there are two different flavors of customer success teams. One of them uh, is focused very much on customer happiness, customer advocacy, and they are normally focused on metrics like NPS, maybe even adoption or engagement metrics. And then there's another flavor of customer success where these teams are very revenue focused. They're looking at retention, upsell, cross-sell expansion numbers. 
They usually are reporting on um, net uh, dollar retention. Um, they're looking at, again, churn statistics and growth statistics. And they are using Koala to understand how to get ahead of growth or how to identify growth, just like the first group of CS leaders are focused on what do the NPS comments and NPS scoring as it ebbs over time mean for how they should address some of the requests that are coming in through those comments. So it depends on it depends on the focus of the CS team, what their what their metrics are. I myself have led CS teams for the last about 12 years um, that are focused on sales numbers. We have very very clearly owned a number because many of us know that CS can account for 60 to 70% of the growth that a lot of B2B SaaS companies see. We are a powerful lever in increasing uh, revenue at the company and not just sales. Yeah. So what do you think is the most important metric? For example, you mentioned retention because if the customer stays for a long time, it is ob- obviously better than uh, a customer uh, cycle every three months. So it's a, sure. a, a long time customer, like for five years, 10 years, it's always better. So how can sure. any business improve the retention of their customers and stay with them as long as humanly possible? <laughs> I mean, that that's the billion dollar question, right? And I, I think for us at Koala, we hold the fundamental belief that your ability to retain customers is only as good as how you can communicate the vision of your company, tie that vision to the uh, value that their customers will receive, and listen to what they're telling you as a result. What do they need? What do they expect? Where are they struggling? Where are they performing the best? What do they appreciate the most? So it really starts at making sure that vision is being communicating and tied to their needs and values, and then listening when they come back to you with, with feedback. That I've found is the best way to develop an amazing relationship with your customer base, uh, but also leverage that to drive retention over time. Yeah, it's and growth. important. Yeah, of course, because you, you as I mentioned earlier, uh, uh, a lot of businesses now, now sell the same kind of products, same kind of things. So being differentiated in a certain way is much better than uh, that building a community around your business or product or service, something that will have the customers, for example, might stay for a longer period of time. Sure. And, and, and let's let's just pause for a moment and, and talk about the teams responsible for retention overall or or growth and expansion and or growth and expansion. I, I think it used to be, you know, in the old world, Companies looked at customer success as the hopefully magic wand that would solve any sort of retention or growth problem. And now what we're seeing is that instead of customer success being the sole entity responsible for that, being looked at as a different adjacent team to the product, we are seeing many companies look at customer success as part of the product. There's the technology offering and there's the CS offering as well. And that is one product offering together. So how do we productize CS and how we work with our customers? And as a result, we're seeing the folding in of these important metrics like retention and growth as not just CS-focused metrics, but overall company metrics. Many Mm -hmm. product teams are tracking against these numbers as well, as well as customer success. uh, Because 
when we're building up when CS and product are working hand in hand, and this is for any team at any company, really, you're yeah. going to see turbocharged growth as a result of that of that alignment. So every company or every business should invest in a customer success software, let's say, because if they don't, they will actually, it's going to cost them money to not invest <laughs> in customer success software because it makes things easier for them and communication with customers, getting customers and retaining customers and getting more customers, right? I mean, of, of, I, so I, I, I'm building a platform for, for CS teams. So of course, I've definitely drunk the Kool-Aid on this. But what I will say yeah. for CS leaders that are trying to decide when does it make sense for us to invest in technology for the customer success team, like dedicated technology, I, I would... I would recommend, you know, you could get, you can get by for a while using a spreadsheet. I, I will be the first to admit that. <laughs> I've definitely done that in the past, right? It's clunky. It's frustrating. It takes some time. There's hygiene frustrations. It's not connected to any other products for the most part, but you can get by. I would say when CS teams or CS leaders start to layer in customer success managers and it starts to feel like I don't have the time to keep this data up to date. And also I need to pass this type of data to other entities to develop things like health score, to understand risk mitigation, to pull qualitative insights, to understand what our development looks like. When that influx happens where you feel like you can no longer keep track, you want to think of dedicated technology for your team. The other thing I would say is as a leader, as you feel like you as you as you grow and scale your company, you become more and more disconnected from the customer. I mean, yeah, you're probably having maybe five to ten interviews a month with new customers. That's that's what we do as CS leaders. But broadly speaking, you're becoming disconnected from the wider customer base. When that is the case, it's sort of you need to watch out because really we're in many cases only as good as our ability to un- deeply understand and know our customers. So yeah. then you want to look like techno- look at technology like Koala to help you keep your ear to the ground. Yeah, you mentioned a great point. So when, when uh, certain companies, they have this growth, especially massive growth, uh, sometimes their uh, early customers get ignored and they don't... Uh, look up to them and they started focusing on the new customers and maybe forget the the old ones. So yeah, you sure, have I mean, to... It's you, not yeah. easy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, you have to keep up everything and uh, have, let's say, a big umbrella that have all these people or these clients or customers under the same uh, roof, let's say. Mm. Yeah. Yes, so, yeah, yes, so, good point. So, so how you mentioned also like having maybe a pen and paper or using sheets on a manual <laughs> basis. So, so how, what is the best for someone who wants to have the intersection of technology and the human and the human elements, manual human elements to scale their businesses? Sure. I would say, you know, this is obviously not my idea, but it's tried and true. The, the things to look for as you're evolving your business are they're really three buckets. Uh, how what does what do the people need to look like as a result of our evolution? How do we improve the processes, and what are the platforms that we employ to help scale those processes, to help build into them and make them work better, make the people and processes work better? That's where platforms come in. So I would say as you're as you're thinking about your business and at, at your at your CS team, if there are problems that you need to solve 
And if there are metrics that you need to hit where you know it's going to be difficult for you to do so with the current setup, decide at the beginning what your theory is around, do I have the people in place to to hit these measurable goals? Do the people have the processes documented that they need to understand what to follow so that I can scale um, these experiences? And then do they have the technology to support them in those efforts? So as you map out how those three different buckets help you achieve the metrics and growth that you're expected to achieve, that will help you decide, is it time for me to look at a platform like Koala? And how will Koala help me revolutionize or scale or very quickly, rapidly get to the goals that I've set with the people and processes in place? Now, that being said, don't let great get in the way of good. You don't have to have a perfect team or perfect processes to, to employ a platform. That's not not what I'm saying, but I do think it's important to look at those three buckets together in alignment to decide what that means for how you purchase tech. Yeah, because it's eventually it's a process. You can always upgrade or update your 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 people or your systems. So it's an ongoing process uh, to build more business and uh, to get to the growth that uh, any business wants, right? Sure, sure. And of course, the technology that you buy, it's going to help you scale. Maybe you don't need to hire as many team members as as you thought because the platforms that you employ help you, you know, help your team sort of get more work work done at a quicker clip. Uh, And processes can do uh, something similar as well. A lot of platforms allow you to build those processes so they're documented. So um, there, yeah, all of these things are working together. Yeah. So uh, uh, now as a founder of Koala, uh, what is the, let's say, the fears that you, for example, have? Uh, do you have certain fears about the business, uh, the evolution, or things being more, as we see, technology is going faster and faster. So do you see certain things going easier for, uh, let's say, one startup that has only one founder to does not need this kind of things, or do you see a big bright future for the kind of companies that like yourselves? Mm. Wow, that's a that's a, a great question. I, I can only speak from from really personal experiences. I would say hats off to the solopreneurs that are doing this on their own. The single founders that had an idea, built that idea, assembled a founding team, but are essentially going it alone from a exact sort of vision perspective. I have never done that. Uh, I have always worked with one or several co-founders where we have clearly set our swim lanes. We know what we're good at. We know each of us is not good at, and we complement each other. And in that way, I feel like we're able to iterate more rapidly. And you just have someone in the trenches with you that understands what you're going through. It can help be that person that you fight with, yeah, exactly, <laughs> that you disagree definitely. with, that you agree, you know, that hopefully many days do agree with, but it makes the process um, I find a lot more enjoyable because it's a crazy roller coaster ride. So my experiences has always been creating an entity or a company with someone else or with a few people, and that's what I enjoy. That's that's what I like. I do know many single founders um, and they're amazing people. I don't know how they do it. That again, they assemble an amazing group around them. Um, but I've I've always appreciated having someone in the trenches with me. Mm. Yeah. So uh, you working with the groups, do you believe is better than for bringing, let's say, quality people to work with? 
can uh, have more impact on the company and the future of it and the growth of it fast faster you know, and better right yeah it's it, again it's so pers- it's so personal and it's very very tied to the type of business that you're creating and the community you already have around you yeah. you know sometimes if you're look if you're going to be a venture backed company and you're looking to raise sometimes adding to that founding team and bringing on that level of talent can help you raise around more quickly and maybe more uh, more revenue or or than more cash than you anticipated being able to raise just as a solopreneur. So it, it depends. It really depends. It depends on if you can even find someone that matches your skill set that you work well with that's willing to take the plunge and accept the risk that you you know have a really great working relationship with and a friendship with. So. You know, I, I would say one is not better than the other. It's it's very personal. Just like some entrepreneurs or founders decide to bootstrap, some are venture backed. That's a very personal decision. Um, it just it it depends. I, I don't think we can say one that one is better than the other. It just it it really depends on the type of founder. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 a, because everyone have different resources. Everyone uses them differently. Everyone. Someone is might be resourceful. Someone might might not be resourceful. <laughs> so mm. different different situations. So, what would you say? One takeaway for this episode for the people who are hearing this episode. Oh, I would you know I would say uh, if you're in you know customer success, I applaud you. If you are on the front lines working with customers day in and day out, um, I just think you know really special people that can take uh take that experience that can interact with individuals every single day they can turn that information those interactions into something that helps a business grow so i just want to applaud you all everyone listening and say you know fight the good fight <laughs> um and you know, for anyone that's thinking of potentially starting or creating a company you have an idea i would say surround yourself with people that believe in you that are going to support you and people that have done it before and that are doing it for the first time, just create a community around you so that you can learn from others. And also I jokingly say commiserate with others too, because <laughs> it's a, it's a pretty crazy and wonderful experience. So yeah, d- develop that community that can support you. Yeah, exactly. So where can people get in touch with you? Sure. Uh, so you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, my, I'm sure you'll include the spelling of my name in the show notes, but it's S O N C I A R Y. You can email me at sensire at koala.io. You can find me on the koala.io website. Please reach out. Hopefully this episode landed well with you. I'd love to hear anyone's thoughts or feedback. Well, uh, thank you for being here today with me on this episode, sensire, uh, co-founder of koala.io customer success intelligent platform. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Success Grid. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you found value in the show, rate and leave a review on iTunes. For more resources, visit successgrid.net. Until next time.